goodness, it's good to be here. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, it would be nice if, if we could sing like the children. I think the choir sang like the children. They were having a good time with that. You know, I, I have to tell you, ministers can see the faces of people when they sing the hymns. You don't look like the choir usually, and you don't look like the children. Learn from the children, learn from the choir, and realize that the music can have its way with you, and you can have a good time. I remember Kay Sutterth was the pianist, organist, when I was here. And the first Sunday, she surprised me with the anthem. Some of you remember it, Walking in Jerusalem Just Like John. And I'm thinking, how am I going to live up to that? We were only here a short, relatively short amount of time. But some things you can't measure in years. It, the impact of this church on the, my life and the life of my family has been great. Thank you for allowing me to come back. Uh, coming with me for the homecoming is my wife, Carolyn, and my daughter, Laurel. Um, Mountain Laurel seemed appropriate to, for her to be named as she was born here. I, I told her you just ought to be grateful that your mama wouldn't let me name you what I wanted to name you. She said, what's that? I said, well, I wanted to give you a double name, Rhoda Dendron. <laughs> Laurel. We have so much that brings us together. Wonderful remarks from Michael. Music. Memories. Common experiences. But we have something a whole lot more powerful to bring us together, and that's the Scripture. If you want to follow with me in your pew Bible or your own personal Bible, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 20 through 29. Now, you're going to recognize a section of this text today as something very, very, very familiar. Let me give you a context about the passage for today. Apparently, Paul's been in great communication with these Corinthian Christians. And by the way, scholars will tell us that the letter of 1 Corinthians probably testify to the oldest part of the New Testament, even predating the Gospels being written down. So Paul's letter to, to the first Corinthians, the, the Christians there, goes way, way back to the beginning. And apparently he witnessed how the Christians in Corinth got together to eat. Now you need to realize that every time the church met, there was a common meal. And oftentimes at the end of their common meal, they would serve the Lord's Supper. But he noticed how they ate together. He said, you're following the old social norms that you followed before you became Christians. Those norms that said if you had a lot of money, if you had a lot of power, you got to go to the front of the line and you could eat as much as you want and not worry about the people behind you who were less fortunate. And so Paul says, is it right that you would keep those old behaviors 
now that you have a new life in Christ. And what Paul is challenging these Christians to do is allow their faith to reinterpret how they live. Well, the problem with all of us, including these Corinthian Christians, is that we allow the way we live interpret what to believe. We sort of forget about the values and the instructions of Scripture and beliefs when we're at work, when we're at play, when we deal with our politics or even our private life. We sort of act like the values of, of being in Christ don't apply. Well, Paul says they do apply. And this is what he wrote. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. You might not remember a thing that I say later, but the crux of this text is this. You know how we say you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat the people who help them? Well, I think, said Paul, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they eat together. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we have heard your word. May what we have heard come deep in our hearts like stepping out into the river. May that water of life immerse us to the point that we are filled with your truth and want to live it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You know, I'm pretty simple person. <laughs> so this sermon's just going to be about saying grace. Now, I didn't say saving grace, that's another sermon. 
for people like Robert or Chip. Saying grace. You think it comes naturally? Saying grace? Well, Charlie Mayfield didn't think so. We had a little after-school program for all the young people to have the Bible uh, being taught to them and have recreation time, and we'd eat together. And it was the habit of this little program to have all the children sitting around the tables with one table parent, and they'd rotate around the table for one person to say the blessing, to say grace, every time we met every week. And it was Charlie Mayfield's time. Charlie, it's your time to say grace. He said, let us bow our heads. And he said, rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub, amen. <laughs> Miss Mary Christopher just gave him a look. And he said, let's pray again. Okay. When you think about famous blessings, famous gracings, graces, famous times of saying the blessing, I know if you've seen Talladega Nights, you remember that grace from Ricky Bobby. Some of you are already laughing. Let, let me read you the first part of this prayer. Ricky Bobby, when it was time to say grace, said, Dear baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's KFC and the ever always so good and delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take some time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, and of course my red-hot smoking wife. You might say the way they... Charlie and Ricky Bobby said grace. It was more about them and the attention they were getting. And a recording of how good life is, which is close but not quite the right way to say grace. Another famous saying of the grace was from Charlie Anderson when he offered thanks in the movie Shenandoah. If you hadn't seen that movie in a while, you, you need to call it back up. This was the prayer offered at the meal by Charlie Anderson. Lord, we cleared this field, we plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it, and we cooked the harvest. Lord, it wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be here eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. <laughs> That's saying the blessing like, you know, Lord, I know I'm supposed to do this. But you and I both know this all has happened because of our hard work. The great writer and Christian C.S. Lewis said, offering the blessing, saying grace, ought to give us a chance to move away from our self-dependency and over the important self-love. 
So saying grace is not about me. Next time you offer grace, be aware it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about thee. Did you notice the subtlety of the text? We move right beyond it. On the night when our Lord was betrayed. Some would say Jesus had enough on his plate to say grace over at that point. Knowing what was about to happen. But he said grace anyway, didn't he? On the night when our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and after he gave thanks... Not being overwhelmed with all the issues of life, the anxiety of what was about to come, the problems, the work. Jesus took the moment to offer thanks. Isn't that what we want to do? Literally, last week I was in a restaurant in Savannah. And I watched two young female soldiers walk in, in uniform. They sat at their table in discussion with each other. And I noticed when their food came, they both bowed their heads and said a silent prayer of thanksgiving. It changed me to see them. And I know it changed that little dining room in the restaurant. It's not about me. It's about thee. Realizing that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. It is realizing that if God did not withhold the life of his own son... If that's true, then would we not also believe that he would give us all good things if we would but ask him? Yeah. Saying grace is about thee, about God. Giving us an interlude for the holy to interrupt our ordinary. We don't have many of those opportunities. We don't take many of those opportunities to allow God to come in to our regular Daily activities. Saying grace takes us away from what we're facing and puts our eyes on the one who loves us most. But you know, it does have something to do with other people along with God. Because you know, like I know, that having said grace, we're aware of others who are with us. Michael alluded to it. The generations of people who've gathered around their tables and offer their thanks like we do when we stop and say grace. Grace. 
Paul was trying to remind these Christians in Corinth about this. When he said discern the body. It's obvious in the Lord's Supper that that has to do with discerning the sacrifice of Christ. His body given for us. But it also has a secondary meaning to understand that we are the body of Christ. To discern that we all are individually members of it. And to be aware when we sit and gather to pray, to worship, and even eat. To say grace, realizing we're a part of a family. That's bigger than just those sitting around us. Carolyn's dad was an elder in the church where I grew up. He wrote a prayer for the family. Our Father, we give thanks for all these and other blessings. Pardon our sins. Let us have peace, health, and happiness in this family. Show us thy will. Teach us to be more like Jesus every day. I'd been to seminary and I couldn't improve on that. He taught his children, all six of his children, that prayer. And all six of these children have taught their children this prayer. And the children's children with the grandchildren know this prayer. Not too long ago, we all gathered as a family in the funeral home with the passing of Carolyn's mother. Before we as a family walked into the chapel, we all held hands. And those three generations at least, by memory, prayed that prayer. The funeral director looked at us and said, I've never, ever, Seen anything like that? Four-year-old children. Grandparents, great-grandparents, all saying the same grace. If you think it's about you, you're wrong. If you think it's about God, you're right. As you realize that you're saying grace amidst the big family being incorporated with all those who surround you, but also those who've come before, then you realize that you're really saying grace in the proper, heartfelt manner. That's what Paul was trying to say. So today, at homecoming, when we gather around the tables and have a fun time telling the stories, remembering all those who came before us, realize that those people are with us still. So I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to bow your head and think about those who've gone on, who've had an unbelievable impact in your life. Bow your head and think about those who are still having an impact on your life who are still with you. And if you would, take a moment and whisper their name 
And as you do, give thanks to God, saying grace over them. If you want to say their name aloud right now, you can. If you want to keep it to yourself, that's fine. Either way, as you think and whisper the names of those who are so important, you're giving God's thanksgiving and saying grace. Take a moment right now. Amen. Now do you feel like you've said grace? More than for the food. More than for all the blessings of life that you quickly think about. Allow the saying of grace every time you bow before a meal and realize that you include God in it. And you include others in it. And just like this moment we've shared, you'll realize you've truly said grace. Amen.